of the Bible in the pew. I, first of all, to Psalm 107. We're going to read a selection of verses from there. You'll find that on page 559 of the, of the pew Bible, Psalm 107. We'll give thanks to the Lord for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Those he redeemed from trouble and gathered in from the lands, from the east and from the west, from the north and from the south. Verse 23. Some went down to the sea in ships, doing business in the mighty waters. They saw the deeds of the Lord, his wondrous works in the deep. For he commanded and raised the stormy wind and lifted up the waves of the sea. They mounted up to heaven. They went down to the depths. Their courage melted away in their calamity. They reeled and staggered like drunkards and were at their wit's end. Then they cried to the Lord in their trouble and they brought them out of their distress. He made the storm be still and the waves of the sea were hushed. Then they were glad because they had quiet and he brought them to their desired haven. Let them thank the Lord for his steadfast love, for his wonderful works to humankind. Let them extol him in the congregation of the people and praise him in the assembly of the elders. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. And then from Mark chapter 4, beginning at verse 35. On that day when evening had come, Jesus said to them, Let us go across to the other side, that is of the lake. And leaving the crowd behind, they took him with them in, in the boat, just as he was. Other boats were with them. A great windstorm arose, and the waves beat into the boat, so that the boat was already being swamped. But he was in the stern, asleep on the cushion. And they woke him up and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we're perishing? He woke up and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace, be still. Then the wind ceased and there was a dead calm. He said to them, Why are you afraid? Have you still no faith? And they were filled with great awe and said to one another, Who then is this that even the wind and sea obey him? The word of the Lord. Thanks. Let us pray. Oh, gracious Lord, we give you thanks for these words that we've read today. You've spoken to your people throughout the generations. Speak to us now. May we hear and may we be transformed in our hearing. For we pray in Christ's name. Amen. It's important to be able to tell the right story at the right time. It's important to be able to tell the right story at the right time. I've come across this a number of times as a, as a father, and I think many of you who are parents and grandparents may have a sense of what I'm talking about. We, uh, my kids love to hear stories. My grandfather was a man named Bobby Deans, and I often tell them stories about Bobby Deans. Most of them are true. They're all good. <laughs> Most of them are true. Um, there are times, though, when the children 
enjoy me just making up stories. And we went through a little period where Callum, as you all know, Callum, uh, he used to come through to the bed super early in the morning. He'd cuddle in and he'd say, Daddy, tell me a story. So I would start telling a story. And as I was telling, <laughs> Daddy, Daddy. And then I'd continue to tell more of the story. And as the story went on, it probably was going on in a very, very different vein from where I had been going on before because I had just dozed. <laughs> daddy, Daddy. <laughs> and so this would go on until eventually the story came to an end and Callum was satisfied. But because I had been phasing in and out of a dream state, I had no idea what that story was. And, <laughs> and as luck would have it, that became Callum's most favorite story in all the world. And Callum would say, Daddy, Daddy, tell me the story that you told me. Which one, darling? The one that you told me in bed the other morning. So I'd start telling a story. And Callum would say, no, 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 that's not what happened. That's not the right story. And I could never recreate that story. It was gone. But it's important as a storyteller to be able to tell the right story at the right time. Now, the gospel writers are all masters at telling the right story at the right time. Each gospel is just a wee bit different. The stories are all framed just a wee bit differently. And some of the gospel writers have stories that none of the other gospel writers have. They're all writing to different people, at different, to different places, at different times. They're all writing to very specific communities and those communities need a particular story, the right story, at the right time. And that's something that the gospel writers offer. That's something that they give to their communities. And very often that's something that the gospel writers do for us as well. Now Mark is a master storyteller. I don't know if you've spent any time reading Mark's gospel. It's a very short gospel. It's a very fast gospel to read. If you read Mark straight through from beginning to end, you'll find that um, it seems like the entire story takes place in six to eight weeks. Mark's gospel is based on, uh, on Sabbath after Sabbath. You find Mark say, writing, uh, this happened on such and such a Sabbath, and then this happened on the next Sabbath, and then this happened on the next Sabbath, and so it goes on from Sabbath to Sabbath. And the whole story takes place in a matter of weeks. Everything happens quickly. Everything happens immediately in Mark's gospel. But even with his uh, sparing use of words and language, even with his brevity, one of the things you find about Mark's gospel is the intensity of the detail. Nothing is missed out and nothing is in by accident. Everything has a purpose. Everything has a point. It's the right story at the right time. <coughs> that's what we find in the story that we read from Mark's Gospel today. We find the situation where you have a bunch of fishermen who are terrified 
because a storm has arisen at sea. They're sailing across the lake to the other side of the lake. It's something they've done many, many times before. They've faced many, many storms before. This is something that's very common on the Sea of Galilee for storms suddenly to rise up. And yet in this instance, it seems to take them by surprise. Either they're cowardly, they're foolish, or there's something else going on as a purpose. And Mark telling this story in this way at this particular time. They're terrified. There's fear in this story. They find themselves in a situation where they're utterly afraid. A, fam a familiar situation and yet they're afraid. They waken Jesus. What's going on? We're terrified here. Jesus stands up and gives a word of rebuke. It, it, it reads in the story as if he's rebuking now, the storm, but really, don't you think he's rebuking the disciples? Don't you think he's rebuking them as much as he's rebuking the storm? I wonder if he's rebuking the storm of fear that's in them. Peace, be still, he says to them. And everything quiets down. Everything calms down. But there's a detail that I don't know if you noticed in the story. And as I said, it's the right story for the right time. Nothing's accidental in this story. Everything is vital. What was Jesus doing when the storm was raging? He was sleeping. He was asleep in the boat. And that's the point that probably we missed. And that's the point that the disciples certainly missed. If you're asleep on a boat and there's a storm going on, it means you're not afraid. It means you have no need to be afraid. Their Lord was sound asleep. And if they had paid attention to that one detail, that one detail, their attitude would have been completely different. What did they see? They saw the storm. They saw the waves surging and about to swamp and overwhelm the boat. They did not see their Lord sound asleep and at peace himself. All they had to do was look to Jesus and see the peace that he was in. And no peace. There's an, old, there's an old saying, this will be the corny, so forgive me. But the saying is, and it's a play on, on English words, it only works in English, I think. Know Jesus, N O, know Jesus, no peace. Flip it around. No, K N O W, know Jesus, no peace. It's a wee bit corny, but I offer that to you. No Jesus, no peace. No Jesus, no peace. There's an old uh, chorus that we used to sing in Scotland. I don't know if you remember it, Maisie. Um, maybe some of you are familiar with it here. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. And the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. Are you familiar with that? Turn your eyes upon Jesus. 
That's all the disciples had to do. In the midst of the storm, turn their eyes upon the one who was at peace and who is peace himself. And they would have known the peace that comes from him. The right story at the right time. We're going to sing a hymn just in a few moments. It's number 840. It's entitled, When Peace Like a River. It was written by a man called Horatio Spafford. It was written in 1873. Horatio Spafford was was a a fairly wealthy man in in Chicago in the the late 1800s. He um, had made a lot of money in real estate in Chicago. In 1871, there was a terrible, terrible fire that happened. Much of the property that he owned was destroyed. He lost hundreds of thousands, if not millions of dollars at that time. He was not poverty stricken by any means, but he lost an awful lot of his wealth uh, in, in, in that terrible fire of 1871. He was a Christian, he was a Presbyterian, and he was a great supporter of, the, of the, the, the famous evangelist Dwight L. Moody. He was a great financial supporter and tried to support him not only financially but with his presence whenever that was possible. It happened that Moody was preaching in Europe in 1873. And Spafford had offered to travel to Europe to be with him, to go with his family and to spend time with with Moody as an encouragement to him and to also take his family to have the trip of a lifetime. At the last minute, a business opportunity uh, or a business problem arose that he had to address, but he sent his family, his wife, his daughters, and his son off to Europe on a ship called Ville du Havre. If you look in the bulletin, you'll see that's the name of this hymn tune. Ville de Havre was the name of the ship that took the family across to Europe. However, on the way, tragedy struck. In the middle of the Atlantic Ocean, Ville de Havre was struck by, by another boat called the Lockerne. Hundreds of lives were lost. One of the survivors was Horatio Spafford's wife. When she arrived in Europe, she sent a a, a telegram to Spafford with these two words, saved alone. His children were killed. Saved alone. In his grief, he boarded the first available ship to, to Europe to be with his wife to comfort her, for her to comfort him, and mourn this terrible, terrible loss, following on just a few years after the loss of all his property in the great fire of Chicago. He boarded the ship, and he would spend the days standing at the railing, just looking out over the ocean, longing to be with his wife again. On a particular day, At a particular moment in that day, the ship's captain came down and said to Spafford, 
we've performed a careful reckoning and we believe as close as we are able that this is the spot the ship went down and the family legend tells that it was later that day on the ship at the spot where his family's lives were taken that Spafford penned the words to this great hymn when peace like a river attendeth my way when when sorrows like sea billows roll whatever my lord thou hast taught me to say it is well it is well with my soul i wonder friends whatever life storms are raging around you i don't know everything that's going on in all of your lives for some of us i know there are some terrible storms that we face day after day after day but the one who calmed that storm is the one who is with you in whatever storm you are facing he is the one who is the prince of peace know him turn your eyes to him and you will have peace in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. May we continue in prayer in the litany of peace printed for us in the building. When dangers invade our sense of safety and we wonder if our Redeemer cares, we hear the invitation, be at peace, be calm. When we face job loss and financial downturns and our sense of security is shaky, we hear the invitation, be, be at peace, be calm. When our congregations experience distress, conflict and, significant, and loss of significant leadership, we hear the invitation, be, be at peace, be calm. When controversial issues and rigidity of spirit threaten to tear the very fabric of the faith community, we hear the invitation, be yeah, at yeah, peace, be calm. calm. When our lives feel chaotic and desolate because of illness or sorrow, we hear the invitation, yeah, be yeah, at peace, be calm. calm, together. Help us to know, O oh God, that the one who calmed the dangerous sea is present with us cares for us and can calm the stormy waters of our lives. Help us to trust more fully and more deeply in you. We pray in the name of Jesus, who invites us to be at peace. Amen. The hymn is 840, When Peace Like a River. <laughs>